This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I think my voice is a little scratchy. I'm not sure why today. A little scritchy scratchy? Well, (laughs) mine is too. When I said scritchy scratchy, I became scritchy scratchy. What is this happening? I don't know, but hold on. When I cough, I must engage my core because I'm doing pelvic floor physical therapy and I have a lot of rules now about how I cough and breathe. Wow. You know, it's it's almost like having to follow those rules might make you a bit of a perfectionist. Or maybe because I wasn't releasing control, I ended up with pelvic floor dysfunction. Let's find out because on today's episode, we're going to talk about releasing control and perfectionism. <laughs> How about we release control and perfectionism about our transitions at this point? We're literally like... We could be talking about anything I'd and try like, to make that transition. <laughs> My dog's poop. Let me tell you about perfectionism. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. We weren't trained in this. <laughs> That's literally hard for no one to believe. <laughs> Releasing control perfectionism. I think that this is great because I also think that we are now in a culture that's like so obsessed with self, um, self-help and self-growth that we're becoming controlling and perfectionistic about it. And it's going into this like whole other thing. So I think this is a very interesting topic to talk about today. I also think there's, you know, just with this state of the world and there's this, you know, it's all, it's on fire. 
I think we always think the world's on fire. It's probably it kind of always is for us. It though. is, right? But, you know, I think that there's this need to control or be perfectionistic about things in our environment in order to make us feel safe because there's so much that we don't have control over outside of our uh, peripheral environment. So sometimes we feel like we have to control the things that are like right around us to make us feel some sort of safety. Uh, okay, wait. So I then, fuck, I'm just going to go right to a listener question where somebody had said, well, why does having control feel so good? Mm. Like, why are we all seeking it? <laughs> safety. Safety. There's a lot safety, of safety security. in it. If you know, right? So like there, there's, a, I think, a big thing that comes up of I have this fear of the unknown. I have this fear of like what could possibly happen when you're in your house and you are taking control of like your environment, your things, your work, your cleaning. You know exactly if you clean that dish and you put it away, you know exactly how that's going to go, right? You have complete control over those things. Yeah. And so there's a level of safety that we create for ourselves when we make routines, when we say, I'm going to take control of this. I'm going to make sure this is clean. I'm going to do my work in this way. I'm going to do my Canva design in this very <laughs> specific way. Not speaking from personal experience. <laughs> um, but there's something about taking control of the things we do have control over that gives us a sense of safety that we don't have in other areas of our lives. Well, I think also like if we think about where it starts to come from childhood is like, let's say I grew up in a household where my parents got divorced and I didn't get any control actually about which house I stayed at which night. Or let's say I got in a situation where um, I had a parent with addiction and I couldn't control what my parents did. So I started controlling all of this other stuff. And so a lot of times it's highly adaptive behavior because most of us have some type of chaotic childhood simply because life is chaotic, right? Like the reality is like there is a lot of dysfunction in a lot of families. And when you're a child, you have no control over anything. So right. Sad. No matter no matter what, you just don't have I remember as a kid, I so badly wanted to be an adult. I think because I felt like I had no control over anything. I remember when I got my license, it was the most liberating experience of my life because I finally felt like I could take control of something. Um, but I think that kids very often have that experience. I think whether their their environment is chaotic or not, yeah. that it's just there's so much that's out of your control. You have to go to school. You know, your parents are go making to bed. You, you got to go to bed. You're making you eat certain things. You're, you have no control over anything. Okay. So last night, so my daughter has curly hair, right? So yeah. we should we only really wash her hair twice a week, sometimes once a week. And it's like, I mean, thank God no one from CPS lives next door to me because yeah. you would think that this girl... <laughs> The tangles. It is. It tangles. But she also just is like real tender headed. She just like doesn't want her hair touched ever. Yeah. Right. So yeah. washing a hair even twice a week, even with lots of conversation around it and trying to get her to do it herself and gentleness and all this stuff. You would think that it is like World War Three in my home. <laughs> and last night afterwards, she goes, I don't ever want to do that again for any other years. <laughs> She's like, we have, give it. Give me like three to four days that we're doing it again. Because that's yeah. the thing, like, kids, like, your parents make you do this shit that, like, you got to do or else, like, you know, I don't know. Well, I don't actually know what would happen if your hair never got you. Just, just get, it, would, it would end up you, dreaded. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. So like there's like certain stuff your parents make you do like, you know, that like because they love you and they don't want you to die. When I make you <laughs> hold my hand across the street. Right. <laughs> right. So literally, I'm just trying to keep you alive. Right. But from an early age, as a kid, you actually don't have like the brain capacity to understand that. So it just feels like these people are controlling you all the time. And that's the thing is that like your parents are there to keep you safe. But that's safety. They should be at least. Yeah, they should be at least. Right in a healthy environment. But that safety of the things that are supposed to keep you safe that you don't know are keeping you safe, right? She doesn't know that if you don't brush her hair, that (laughs) it's going to hurt more eventually. And so the things that are supposed to keep you safe are also things that are so out of your control. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe we internalize that and we develop into adults and we're like, okay, here are all the things I have to do to keep myself safe. Here are all the things I have to do to make sure I'm taking care of myself. Some of those things are incredibly helpful, incredibly productive. And then sometimes they overfunction for us. And that's, that's kind of, I think, what is so important about talking about this is that like there are so many things that we learned in order to keep ourselves safe um, and take care of ourselves um, that are incredibly helpful for us. And then there are times in which it overfunctions. So I think let's get into some listener questions and then we could kind of go from there. So somebody had asked about how do you become a control freak or perfectionist? <laughs> but like also the word control freak, like let's start with a negative connotation, right? Like yes. Every human wants some sense of control. Yes. That doesn't it. mean you're a freak. No. And it, and also, I think the thing is, is like, when does it turn into dysfunction? Wanting, you know what I mean? Me, I feel better if my house is slightly organized, right? When it becomes dysfunction is if I am screaming at my partner because my house is disorganized. Once again, definitely not personal experience. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, it, it's right. Trying to control another person. Yes. Right? That is when it becomes dysfunctional. You trying to control someone else. Everyone else should have their own autonomy and ability to make decisions for themselves um, in a partnership. And what matters is communicating around it. And I think that's where a lot of us, you know, get into arguments or we butt heads because of it. My my husband, for example, I would say uh, cleaning is his way of taking control and feeling safe. (laughs) He is the one in our relationship where he has to do it a certain way and he has to clean the cat. And if and I, if I don't do it that way, then it's not the right way. Yeah. And I say, well, then you can do it yourself. And he doesn't like that. He well, I mean he now he's used to it, but nobody likes that at the beginning. Of course. Yeah. But I think that that is a growing pain in a lot of relationships where there's a sense of like, no, this way of cleaning the counter is what makes me feel safe. And if you don't do it that way, then I'm not feeling safe. Yeah. Right. And it sounds like such a big jump, but that's what your brain is telling you. And that is why you are getting those danger signals of, well, things aren't organized in this certain way or things aren't this way. And this is the thing that has always made, always made me feel safe and like I have control. And so when I have someone else in my environment who's changing that, then I'm no longer feeling that safety. I no, yeah. I no longer have that coping mechanism. And so that's where you end up coming into conflict in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. 
The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable, so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids' snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item for my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken, and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Somebody said this is deep, but is control just an illusion? That is deep. Whoa. Whoa. Who who are you? <laughs> and how was that joint? But <laughs> it is. It, I mean, in a lot of ways it is, right? So like I can control things to an extent, right? I can control maybe how my closet is organized, but I can't actually control how anyone else in my life is going to be, right? And we have this idea, and when I think when we talk about the idea of control is illusion, and this is where the perfectionist and specifically the people-pleasing part gets into it is, is I think if I behave and interact a very certain way, then in some ways I can understand, predict, or control how somebody else will respond to that interaction. So if I'm in a situation with someone and I am unbelievably sweet and cute and funny and kind, and I think that they're going to match my energy, and then I'll be able to get what I want, need, etc., but this person had a shit fucking day. They're exhausted, lots of other stuff. And they actually think that I'm just being quite annoying, and maybe I am. And they're not going to do that, right? And then I get so mad because I didn't actually say what I wanted or needed or thought because by doing it in this one very specific way, that was my way of controlling. And then once again, I know I'm big on danger signals today, right? Like where you feel like, okay, if, if I act this way, then I'm maybe nine out of 10 times, I'm going to get the response that I want. Mm -hmm. 
that one time that I don't get the response that I want, your brain is sending signals off of like, oh, I actually didn't have control over this situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where that painful feeling can come from of I don't have control over this. I'm actually not in control over my interactions of my relationships, which is actually true. Yeah. You, no matter what you do, you can't control how other people feel in a situation. You know, the example I love too, because I've also felt this way. Um, if you like have a party and you're like, I want everyone to have fun, right? This Emily is me. Feels, this is me every this, time em- I host. Emily <laughs> feels this deep in her soul. So you're like, I want everyone to have fun. So I'm going to I'm going to get, you know, this ice cream truck and I'm going to get this like bouncy okay, house. Let's for make the kids. it less <laughs> obvious who you're talking about. I don't go to like you. so many big parties. You're the one person I know that knows. I'm sorry. You are throwing me under the bus fucking hard right now. I'm sorry, I mean, no. you're right. I'll change, I'll change the example. No, keep going. Just finish it out because it's right. I have a child named Lily. <laughs> you know, I'll just like throw a little like differences in there. That's but perfect. In, it's perfect. I love in, it. You have two the, sheep of doodles. Because <laughs> in the end, right, you can have all of the, I try to tell you this too at the parties, right? You can have Every all time. of the things at the parties. You can hype it up. In the end, if someone comes to your party and they're having a bad day or if they have something going on at home or maybe they don't like parties, maybe they're introverted. <laughs> Jen's like, actually, I just hate every party you've ever had. I true. know that's not actually, true. Actually, I have a great time at I your know. parties. I know. But no matter what you do, you can't control whether people have a good time at your party or not, right? Mm-mm. You can get all of the things. And people still, they, it's in their control. They get to decide if they're having a good time at your party or not. And you can't control that. Yeah. And so it does. And this, so then it brings up as well. Then what do you do about it? How do you release it? Because that's what we're really talking about is how do you then release the control? Because let's say that control is an illusion. We still have to release it, whether it's mindset or not. And so I have to, before we have events, anytime I have it, I have to actively say to myself, like, it is actually not my job to make everyone else happy. It is my job to show up, make sure there's working toilets, have some stuff, right? But like, it's not my job to be like the fucking like one man show of entertainment and happiness. And I can't control whatever other people are feeling. So like for me, it's very much an internal dialogue that I have to like keep having with myself where I talk myself down. And then a lot of times like the same thing with work. Like, you know, there's a lot of times that shit just happens. I mean, especially oh, yeah. parenthood. Oh, yeah. And with my child, I'm always like, I don't try again tomorrow. Because <laughs> that's all you can do, right? Well, I think that brings me into the thought of, I think, you know, another thing that we tend to do is go into the past. Like, I wish I could have changed that. Or I wish I could change what happens in the future. And those are also points of control to let go of, right? you know, to think about, oh, I I wish that didn't happen or I wish I changed that thing. I wish I didn't say that one thing. You no longer have control over the past Mm -hmm. and what happened. And I think sometimes when we ruminate over things that have already happened, it's our sense of like, if I think about this enough, I'll be able to change it. 
That's the overthinking, right? Yeah. Is like the point of the overthinking is like you really think you're going to figure it out. And like, right, like if I keep thinking about this, then I'll be able to fix this problem. So I keep thinking about how Sally came to my party. She looked like she left like looking kind of whatever. And then I keep thinking like, okay, if I could figure out the origin of what happened, then I can correct it or if I can reach out to her, blah, 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 whatever like sort of spiral you go down. But the reality is, is like, it's not how it works. It's how right. I think it might work. It's the illusion I get for myself. In some ways, it does end up with magical thinking. Right. And I think it it leads you into, if I think about this enough, maybe I can have control over how she feels, how Sally feels about this. Yeah. And then I could change my response and, and make sure I have the perfect way of communicating with her next time so this doesn't happen again. In the end, none of that will give you control over the situation. Whoa. Okay. Dropping bombs for ourselves. Oh, well, okay. Somebody asked. Uh, oh, wait. I love this one. I love this one. I love this one. Okay. Because this is like a big thing people bring up. So this person said, how do I let go of perfectionism when it's the thing that's gotten me to where I am today? So this is really hard because a lot of times these skills are actually super helpful. So by me being really controlling, by me being perfectionistic, I have gotten to A, B, and C in my career, A, B, and C in life, A, B, C, whatever. And so if I'm to give that up, what's that going to mean? And the reality is, is sometimes a skill that did help you get to where you are, help you to survive what you went through, isn't necessarily the most helpful when you get there. And the reality is, is like we let other shit go in life, right? Like, let's say I had this blazer and this blazer was the blazer. Everyone knows I don't own a single fucking blazer, but let's go with this here, you right? Did, you had, I think you had one blazer at one point. I had a large oversized red blazer that I was also wearing as a dress. Right. So it's beautiful. Okay. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I do. Right. Okay. So let's say I had this blazer and I had this blazer and it was my lucky blazer and I wore it for all my job interviews. And then I get it. I get the job, but I keep trying to wear this blazer. And at this point, my body has changed. Life has changed, blah, blah, blah. But I'm still trying to make something work. And even though something helped me got there, the reality is it wasn't just the perfectionism that did that. You got yourself there. You tell yourself you need this thing and it's only possible with it. But that's also the magical thinking. A blazer didn't get me a job interview. I got myself it. And so that skill may have been very helpful while you're navigating to where you are now. But what's it doing for you now? And have you outgrown it? And can you take like, is are there parts of your perfectionism, right? Like thinking about, I don't know why this is coming to my mind. like. I am perfectionistic about the things that I write like in my planner, right? The things written down in my planner. I always know when things are there things that are really helpful in that perfectionism, right? I always I'm never late to appointments. I'm always on time. I remember things, whatever it is, the things that are helpful. And then what are the things in that perfectionism that are not helpful for you? So in that perfectionism, what are the things that you can maybe continue to utilize? And maybe there are also things connected to that that you can let go of. Do I really need to color coordinate all my appointments? It takes me an extra hour to do so, right? Yeah. So like, what are the things that maybe are really helpful? It helps me on, be on time, remember things, whatever it is. And then can I let go of parts of that that maybe are not so helpful, that are more time consuming, that I don't necessarily need? Yeah. So here's an example, right? I threw a bachelorette for a friend of mine. I am very good at organizing stuff. So good. Very good, right? Um, And somebody has to take on that role. If not, everyone would have been like, I don't fucking know. I'll just show up in Florida, right? So I take on a lot of this. 
And for most of it, it felt pretty good, actually. Like, I really liked that. I liked the control. I liked that I got to do that. Uh, it made me feel good that uh, people were liking what I was picking out, right? Like, there was, like, a ton of pros with the situation. So we get to a certain point where I then, I feel like other people are doing their thing. I turn into resentment. And part of what had switched was I got a little busier at work. And there's some of the stuff that still had to get done. And all of a sudden, I was like, what the fuck am I the one doing everything? Even though it was fine for me before and I didn't have a problem, the context switched. And then all of a sudden, I was feeling really resentful of people. I was really mad. And so then you have an option, which is I keep doing what I'm doing. I get pissed. I freak out at someone, blah, blah, blah. Or I say, all right, I guess I've done my part and I'm going to give it up to someone else. Or I did as much as I can do and I guess we'll just figure out what happens next. And so the thing is, my perfectionism and some of my control stuff was very, very helpful for the first half of this. And then it wasn't anymore. And even though I was halfway through and it wasn't completed, it still had to be adjusted. Mm, I love that. Like you're, it's almost like constantly monitoring whether what you're doing is helpful for you or not. Yeah. Like we are um, in the midst of opening up uh, a larger Westchester space. Um, we are not leaving Westchester. As soon as I talk about moving, people get very anxious. We are just upgrading our home upgrading, in Westchester. Upgrading our home. Um, and one of the things that I was doing was taking like what the space is going to look like and like putting our name on it because Emily asked me to do that. Because Jen's I an was... iPad girl and she can mock things up. <laughs> yes. And, and, but I was doing it for way too long. <laughs> I was. And so while I'm in the process of it, I'm thinking to myself, does it make sense for me to be spending hours on this? So, but my point of saying that is that to be constantly having that inner dialogue about, is this helping me? Is this not helping me? Is this serving me? Is this not serving me? Is this something that's working for me? Is this something that's not working for me? Is yeah. so important. And we'll probably continue to reiterate that throughout this yeah. entire episode. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. 
A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. Okay, we had a lot of questions about parenting. So like we're just going to sort of touch on this cuz you could we could take an entire episode about that. I'm just going to choose this one. Yeah, yeah. How do you work past perfectionism in motherhood and what it's all supposed to look like? We have so many ideas about what life is going to look like. And motherhood is one that has been shown to us time and time again with ideas. For some folks that are navigating new waters, whether that's the choice to be child-free, be in uh, queer relationships, stuff that have maybe less representation. In some ways, there is something nice about that because you get to sort of carve your own way. When you are in a heteronormative idea and you're in a family, somebody that's been, you know, images for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, we have a lot of expectations about what that should look like. Even if I tell myself I'm a modern age, independent feminist lady, that shit still got in there. And so part of it is like, what do I think this is supposed to look like and how do I start deconstructing it from there? So understanding here's what my expectations were and like maybe none of this was true. When my daughter was born, she had 12 fingers and 11 toes. That was very overwhelming to me. And I know that sounds fucked up and maybe somebody here is like, how could you feel some way? But like, because my whole life I've been told that people have 10 fingers and 10 toes. There's children's songs about it. I didn't think of the possibility that it would look different on my child. And so then there's all this fucking guilt about like, what if I feel some type of way? Or, or what if there is like grief here? And what if there's something and you feel like you can't talk to anyone about it because you feel like everyone's going to make you feel like shit. But the reality is, is that like we have an idea and then we have to just keep deconstructing from there over and over and over again. Oof. Um, I think that was listen, I know I'm I'm just listening to you. Obviously, we talk all the time, but like how validating that will be for people to hear, you know, that it's okay for you to have an idea and then have to deconstruct it. Because I do think there is 
so much guilt that comes with that of like, oh, I should just love my, you know, whatever comes out, you know, I should just love my child. And and you do, but yeah. to, it, it doesn't take away from that. But to know that that is part of it is deconstructing and that that's okay. Do you feel, I mean, for like, I mean, I made this comment about being child free and I guess I sort of spoke for you, but like, yeah. do you feel in some way because there's less, I mean, I know we have like the idea of like the rich auntie. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. like, there's some ideas about what you should look like as child free, but in yes. some ways, you kind of get to make what this looks like on your own because there's just been less representation of it. I, well, I, I do think now that you say that, there's this idea of, oh, because I'm not having children, I have to prove myself in other ways. Ooh. Like, I have to prove that my career is going to be successful. Your baby. Or I, my, I am my baby. Yeah. Our baby. And oh, it's our thanks. baby. <laughs> you have you have both babies. <laughs> Many babies. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a piece of it. Like now that I'm just thinking about like what are some of those ideas or like, yeah, the rich auntie, like you have to be doing something productive with your time mm. if you're not having children that they're like you almost have to. And I check myself in that a lot to think like that's not true. Like yeah. you can just do what you want to do. But I do think that they're are a lot of those ideas of like, well, because you're not having children, you have to prove yourself in other ways that there is a level of pressure on that too. Yeah. Mm, that's really interesting. Okay. Uh, let me, I'm going to read this next one for you. Ready? Okay. I'm How ready. to let someone else take the lead, including my partner. Oh God. We hear this one. I mean, this is a number one thing that comes up in couples therapy, right? Because so many people say, like, I want my partner to do A, B, and C, but then they want to also criticize and critique their partner when they do it. And they don't actually give up the control to let them step up and do it. And then we get so mad. It's like, well, it's all I asked for. But it's like, all right. I, I first want to know, my first question is, what does it feel like for you to let someone else take the lead in general? Does that bring anything up for you? Because I really want to know what makes that so hard. And because so so I think first asking yourself those questions of like, what is making this so hard for me? I think that sometimes we have this idea of a leader of like someone's in this leadership role and they stay in that leadership role and it doesn't switch. You think about like a job, right? You have a boss. You have one boss. That doesn't change. When you're in a partnership, that can switch off. Right. I think it's important for it to switch off. It's important for maybe, um, for example, if someone's better at, I don't know, like doing yard work or that like I I definitely would not lead in that. I would let my husband take the lead. No idea what I'm doing. I also don't care about the yard. We've talked about this before. I also don't have a yard. <laughs> you literally live in I live in the center city. city I'm, thinking, Philadelphia. I'm thinking about the leaves outside of our house. Oh, anyway. my God. Jen's husband has so much to say about anyone. If you have a tree in Philadelphia, Jen's you husband's coming for sure you. It is six feet. He's I, got rules. It? He's got he rules got and requirements rules for those trees. Anyway, and I will like, say uh, this: if you're actually struggling with this, this is um, if you haven't read the book Fair Play, or you can watch it on Hulu now because Reese Witherspoon yes. bought up every good book that's ever been. Talk about a fucking business mindset, Reese Witherspoon. Um, so read the book Fair Play, or you can watch it on Hulu, and it goes into sort of how to do this. Like it gives you like like actual attainable things of how to um, navigate this a little bit better. Yeah, and I think sometimes people feel like, okay, well, if I let them take the lead, then 
I'll never be able to take that role again. Or like, mm-hmm. that means I have to be submissive in some way, or I can, I, you know, I have no idea. I won't be able to input my ideas or I won't be able to talk where no, you can have balance in that, right? It's not yeah. going to be 50, 50 all the time, but you can find balance in that in different ways. And I think that that's not something that we're used to in other aspects of our lives. But dude, that that's like that fear thing though, of like, then who am I? What is my role? I yeah. mean, that's, I have some shit with that about the parties, right? If I yeah. throw a bad party, who's going to want to come to this? I now have a pool, so everyone wants to come to my party yeah. in the summer. But, <laughs> um, but that is like an actual fear that I've had before. Yeah. If I do not offer A, B, and C, I am not enough simply on my own and nobody will choose me again. Mm. And so that why, is a difficult so I, thing. Yeah. And if you don't, right, like if I don't, if I let someone else lead, then what value am I bringing? Yeah. And so that's the stuff you have to look at is right, because that's the actual risk of releasing control. Or let's say I release control and my relationship and my partner really doesn't step up at all. Oh, and then I have to do something about it. I have to hold them to either walking away or going to therapy or changing you know, any of this stuff. Like the other reason why we don't give this up is it's actually manageable. If I've been controlling everything forever, I'm pissed off and I'm exhausted. But I've been doing it for so long. It's sort of like balancing like a balancing act of plates, right? Like I can sort of keep holding. Then if somebody tries to take one thing off, the fear is it'll all fall apart. Right. And so the control is doing something for you. Yeah. And if I if I let you take the reins and I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust that you're going to take the reins and then you don't. And then I'm hurt, right? Like then there's a hurt, there's a disappointment there. And so is holding on to the control a way that we also protect ourselves, the perfect holding on to the perfectionism. I can do everything right and I'm going to take control of everything. Uh, means that no one can hurt me. Like if I don't relinquish control, then I can't be hurt. Yeah. And so I think that there's a big fear of if I would relinquish control. Also, there's the possibility of me being hurt in this. And so releasing control is also feels like a risk. Absolutely. And so all of these things, we're not saying this is just a reality, yeah, right? Like it just this is. is all everything. It's just a reality. And so I really want you to ask yourself as we're like bringing up these realities is, are they actually true, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can I relinquish control and actually trust that my partner is going to be there? If I don't, can I talk to them about it? Can I communicate that with them? This is, this is my fear is that I am going to ask you to do this and that you won't step up. Oh, wait, I, there's yeah, a listener go. question. Sorry. Are you ready? Sorry, no, no, go. no. Wait, go, go. because you literally almost just said someone's listener oh, question. Sorry. How do you trust that things will get done slash you won't get hurt when you release control? You don't. You don't fucking know. We're all living on this bam rock and people are just supporting us all the fucking time. Everything we do is an opportunity to get hurt. And those opportunities are also opportunities for communication. Yep. Right? They're all opportunities for communication and working on your relationship. And we always say that it's more important for you to fight about things, fight fairly, obviously, to be able to work on the things in your relationship, the arguments give you information. They give you information about what is not working in your relationship. I'm not saying it's going to be one conversation and everything's going to change. <laughs> but 55. What, I am, what I am saying is that it's important for, for you to first know what is keeping you from relinquishing control 
so that you're able to express that outside of the times in which you're really fucking pissed off about it. And here's what I also know. Even if you can't figure out the why, you have to change it somehow if it's not working. If it is ending up in like relationships hurting in your life, jobs, you know what? Even if you can't figure out the actual why here, and I have hear that all the time. So I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. All right, then fuck it. Let's stop figuring out the why and figure out what we need to change. Mm. Do you have to just start being less hard on your partner? Do you have to start being less hard on your kids? Any of this stuff, like at some point you have to say, like, even if I can't figure out the other stuff, what do I have to do now? Mm. And you ready for Dear Em and Jen? I'm so ready. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Em and Jen. Hello, I'm a master's level clinician. Uh And while I love my clinical work, I'm not feeling as fulfilled as I know I could be with my career. My goal is and always has been since undergrad to obtain a doctoral degree and contribute my voice in a meaningful way to the research of communication. This goal, however, has never included anyone but myself. I am for the first time living with a partner with shared pets and a mixed record and book collection and everything. I'm thinking about going back to school, which might mean relocating, and I'm worried about how this will cause shifts in my relationship. How do I navigate these conversations with my partner so that I hold on to the importance of my goals while holding space for his needs and concerns? Mm. Love this person. Me too. Love him. Also, I would like a shared book and record collection. You have a shared record collection. <laughs> I purchased one of those records for you. It's signed by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> it's it's the only one that is in currently in my player. I've listened to it over and over and over again. I have I have so many different directions that I could go in with this, mm-hmm. but I I first want to acknowledge the fact that you're you're acknowledging that your goals may have shifted or your priorities may have shifted as you're in a relationship. And I think that this is just very common is that before you're in a committed relationship, you really don't have the opportunity to plan your life for anyone but for yourself. And I really respect the fact that you kind of move forward with here's what I want out of my life and here's the direction that I'm going to go in. And I think in a lot of ways, when we get into a relationship and that shifts, it's a shift that we don't necessarily talk about or we're not anticipating. We usually just think about when you get into a relationship, like you have a partner and you're no longer alone. And, you know, like there's there's all of these like, this is a great thing supported by society. And it is. But I also think there is a lot of change and transition that comes with that. And with that can also come some grief. And so it just sounds like you might right now be in this transitional phase of what does this look like for me? How do I balance kind of my career life in my relationship and how do I talk about it? And I think it sounds like this person is very self-aware. And my question would be is what is keeping you from saying this exact thing to your partner. That was my thought, right? Is like, what would it be like to go to that partner and be like, hey, I want to have a conversation. And the conversation is about the importance of my goals. But I, and I want to hold all this space for your needs and concerns. And I love you and I'm worried about this, right? Like, because if your partner is going to be the one who goes through this with you, going back to school, I think they can handle tough conversations. Yeah. And if they can't, that's also information too, right? So, like, I wonder what has stopped you doing it right like and i think there's probably a little stuckness i'm also wondering you know like there's a part of you that isn't feeling totally fulfilled 
And I think that that feels bad when we're in a relationship because we had this really fucked up idea and people told us from all this different bad messaging that your relationship and like is supposed to be enough. But like for a lot of people, it's not. And that doesn't say anything about you. But I wonder if there's like some discomfort and guilt with that as well. So I think you should say this exact thing for your partner and know that it's multiple conversations. And also, what would it be like to ask them to move with you? You never know until you try. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that conversation will be easy and it's going to lead to like, yeah, this is great. I'm fulfilled. Like sometimes it takes multiple conversations and that's okay. All right. That's it. Guys, that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you think a friend would enjoy it, you have a perfectionist controlling friend. (laughs) send this episode on over to them. Tell them to cut off right at this point when we call your friend control. Right, right. Yeah, that's maybe, maybe not the move. I don't mean that in a negative way. We all have some control needs in us. If you like this episode, remember to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You know, I never do the the outro. And if you are looking for a therapist, we have amazing clinicians in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Florida, Massachusetts. And we now have openings in California. If you are on the wait list, um, reach out now because you can get in with one of our incredible California clinicians. And they like rarely have openings, right? So like now we have some openings in California. Um, Hey, we also have new merch out. People have been asking for a while. We finally have t-shirts. We finally have hoodies. We have full sweat Emily's wearing one. I'm wearing their super oversized, so keep that in mind when ordering. We have bags. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for a friend. Hey, we love you. We can't wait to see you soon. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week on Tree Chicks. Bye.